This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. Live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. We are getting ready for Badgers and Nebraska. It's a big game. Big game for the Badgers. They're looking to become the first Big Ten team to go into Lincoln this year and beat the Huskers. They are 13-1 there at home. At, I think it's Pinnacle Bank Arena, Jesse. Yes. Uh, they are 13-1. Their, their lone loss came against Creighton back on December 3rd. So it's been a, it's been a while. And they have... And the games against the Big Ten teams haven't necessarily been close. They're averaging, they're winning those games by double digits. They beat Purdue by 16 there um, last month. It has been a very impressive home team. Not as good on the road. I believe they're, one, I believe they're uh, one and four or one and five in Big Ten play away from. Uh, they might be. They might not actually have a win away from home in Big Ten play. You're going to check oh. it out for me. Well, they're one and five overall on the road. Yeah, it's a remarkable split. They're yeah. almost unbeatable at home and. Can't beat Not so much on the road. On the road. Yeah. Wisconsin beat them by 16 earlier this season. So we'll, we'll talk about that game in a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of people that listen to this listen to it podcast-wise, so I don't want to spend a ton of time previewing that game, but it is coming up at 7.30. If you're looking for a place to watch it, come on down to Monk's. Some great uh, drink specials. Jesse got some food tonight. What'd you get? Go with the crispy chicken sandwich and fries. I mixed it up, Zach. You did at some point. You did. You you brought a little change. You kind of. I think you kind of threw them for a loop. They were they were expecting what you normally get. And you kind of gave them something different. Did you like it? Uh, it's gone. So yeah. I have no complaints. <laughs> uh, so yeah, stop on down, monks here in Sun Prairie. Love to see you, and I'm sure they would love to see you as well. But we are going to start with football as we are normally apt to do, and talk a little bit about. The coaching situation, because Wisconsin did make it official today. Alex Grinch is going to be their safeties coach, and like Colin Hitchler before him, is also going to be the co-defensive coordinator. Now, again, Mike Tressel is going to be the one that's calling things on game day, but uh, Alex Grinch certainly has some experience as a defensive coordinator, both uh, obviously at uh, USC and at Oklahoma and at Ohio State. And go on uh, on down the Washington Washington State. So there, he has plenty of experience being the defense coordinator, but that is not going to be his his role, you would say, Jesse. I think we haven't actually done a show together since uh, that story came out. I think it happened right as we get off the air two weeks ago. What do you think of the hire? I think it's a great hire. Okay, I know I know that uh, sort of a, a lightning rod for criticism, but that's because I think what people look at. And understandably so, in some regard, is how it ended in his last stop. He got fired from USC with two regular season games remaining. His defenses gave up 101 points over the last two games. They were not a good defense. No. They were 120th, I think, at pass defense, or 107th, and maybe 107th in run defense. Either way, it was it was bad. But, like you just said, He's not coming here to run Wisconsin's defense. That job belongs to Mike Tressel. He's coming here to coach the safeties and help out with the defense. And I think his his knowledge is, I mean, you can't deny it, and he, he's had success before, and so that, to me, is what stands out most. I mean, he's a, he is a two-time a finalist for the... Uh, the Broyles Award. The Broyles Award, which goes to the best assistant coach in the country. He's a two-time semifinalist and a, four, and a four-time nominee. Like, they right. don't just... 
They don't just hand that out, even if he hasn't won. It right. speaks to what people think about his coaching acumen. Right. The semifinalist uh, was 2017 at Washington State, a, a team that does not necessarily play great defense. And then it was 2019 at uh, Oklahoma, which is not necessarily known for playing defense. Both of those stops, or both those years, were impressive performances by his defenses. Now, again, they were not good at Oklahoma before they went to USC, and they were very, very bad at USC. The fact that they managed, I mean, they had Caleb Williams, and they did not win the Pac-12 either of those years, and in large part because the defense was just not very good. Now, they tried to plug a bunch of transfers in there the first year. It didn't work. They tried to do the same thing the next year, along with the talented freshman class. It did not work. So he's the one that has to to take it. But I think it's a a great addition in terms of experience-wise for that position. Now, a lot of people care about the recruiting aspect of yeah. it because of how good Colin Hitchler was as a recruiter. We know, we've talked about that probably ad nauseum throughout the last year, uh, really what he did in the 2024 class and certainly what he was going to do going forward on the East Coast. And I'm sure, while he's a very good on-field coach, Alabama had to be looking at him as like, Duke can recruit. And recruiting is what matters. Uh, at the end of the day, a lot of it is what matters. You have to be a good on-field coach, but you have to be a really, really good recruiter. What do what does Wisconsin get in Alex Grinch as a recruiter, do you think? I think he's a, also a really good recruiter. Where he's been, they've had very talented players, and certainly the last couple programs, you can say they sort of sell themselves, but I, I want to see what that looks like at a place like Wisconsin. Um, eh. It's interesting because I think there are two different conversations that we can have about this. And I was asked about this for a mailbag that's running on Friday about... Convenient. I think, uh, yes, nice segue, self-segue. But what I think there are some fans who are freaking out about the fact that they have had this much coaching turnover in one offseason. And the Jack McNeil Jr. situation is its own thing. Because right. if you're going to demote a guy... Uh, or remove him from his role. It's because he's not performing at that level. The other two guys, Mike Brown going to Notre Dame and obviously Colin Hitchler going to Alabama, those ro- those make sense to me, but I think Wisconsin fans think, well, what does this mean? They're, st- they're here for one year. right? Um, so there's that side, and then there's the, but who are they bringing in? I'm, I, again, we haven't seen them coach here, but I couldn't be more impressed with the moves that Luke Fickle has made in terms of the guys that he has brought in based on what they've done previously in the Grinch situation at USC notwithstanding. So that brings up an interesting question, and I, or an interesting, interesting couple of questions. I asked you to rank, if I were to ask you to rank, you know, the hires, I don't want to just go one, two, three, you know, that. I want to give you a little bit of fill in the blank here. The one you are most confident in is? I'm going to go with Alex Grinch. Okay. Uh, and I think my big thing with that is, He's 43 years old. He's been around the block. He's been coaching at a really high level for 15 years. I mean, he's been at a a Power 5 level since 2012 when he was at Missouri as the safeties coach for three seasons. And and you laid this out before, Zach, but then he was the defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach at Washington State, co-DC and safeties coach at Ohio State for a season. He's been coaching the safeties for a decade plus. And so... That, to me, is what stands out most, is the overall experience that he has, and that gives me confidence. But I know you've got some other questions uh, Yeah, <laughs> so, like, it, I mean, it, confident, like, I wanted to, the goal here was to, to break three of these guys. We have yeah. three questions, throw each one. You obviously threw a little bit of a, 
curveball at me, so we'll have to talk about one of these guys outside of these these things. But well, if you have if you have them in each of the spots, so so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say, uh, in terms of being most confident, it would be for me it would be it be AJ Blossom, mm-hmm. um, largely based on some of the early returns from what I've seen him do both recruiting wise and just the energy that he that he has shown on that front i have no idea if he's gonna be able to coach offensive like if it's gonna work um there have been a lot of obviously very good things said about him from people outside of wisconsin but again the offensive line of vanderbilt wasn't overly good now you can say that it has a lot to do with the fact that they're going up against the best defensive players in the country on a week-to-week basis so be it but i feel most confident about him now the, the next question was the one with the highest upside is so to me it could either be kenny guyton or aj blazek i'm going with aj blazek just because uh, you're right there's been a lot of a lot of positive praise for him and i mentioned this on our show a couple weeks ago that i had just had a conversation with kevin haywood stepdad and haywood is a, the four-star offensive tackle who's coming here and they went to a visit to Vanderbilt, and the, the, his stepdad said, like, if it wasn't, basically what he said was, if it wasn't Vanderbilt, we would want to play for that dude. <laughs> but Kevin Haywood could go wherever he wanted, and right. he's going to Wisconsin, obviously. And it was because of his energy, uh, his coaching style, the way he would break down Kevin's film and give him pointers in a way that made him at least, it's tough when you're a kid and all you hear about is how good you are but give you pointers and still make you leave the room feeling good. And so those were a couple of things that stood out to me. But I also think the offensive line here hasn't been good since when. I mean, it's been a while. The level that people expect. Yeah. So in terms of upside, if you can come in here and, and take the things you do well and, and elevate them, there's all the upside in the world. But I could say the same thing about Kenny Guyton just yeah. because he's, thir- I, yeah, he's 32. He, he's got a lot of the same things that Blazek has in terms of that, that energy and enthusiasm is players at Arkansas obviously loved him and Wisconsin's wide receiver room there's a lot of room to grow and he's inheriting a, the room that I know you're very high on based on how those guys performed at the end of the season right are you not high on them I'm just are I you, just uh, know whoa, that whoa, you said whoa, that whoa 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 <laughs> I'm not saying I think I'm, uh, I have an extra question here <laughs> is Jesse Temple not high on the wide receiver room despite, no, I, despite I, what I, he saw <laughs> against a bad LSU defense. <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily saying that, but I don't want to take one game and make it feel like that is what this team is going to be. Um, now, they did have two 100-yard receivers, which we almost never see here. Bryson Green, Will Pauling. They've been, they've been a decade plus. Yeah, I like what Vinny Anthony gave them and certainly Tretch Kekahuna, but I, I just want to be able to see that on a consistent basis because they're going to be relying on the same dudes that were on the team last season outside of bringing in uh, Kineberry Johnson and obviously the the Tyrell Henry transfer from Michigan State. So, yeah, both those guys, high upside in my mind. All right. So, uh, upside for me, that's why I would have Guyton in there. Yeah. He's a young guy. That makes sense. He has uh, kind of, you know, paid his dues a little bit, being a GA at Houston and kind of working his way up through some of the smaller schools, Louisiana Tech, Colorado State. Then he gets a, a bump to Arkansas and now back to, like, into the Big Ten with Wisconsin. That's a pretty solid rise, you know, when you've been coaching since 2015. And he got into coaching, obviously, very soon after his career at Ohio State. And I, I, I like the upside there. I like the upside there. So the one with the most questions is, and we both have the same guy here. Okay. Yeah, I picked Grinch for two of these categories. So uh, throwing some cheated. Uh, no, you're just throwing wrench and wrenches in Yeah, that's what I'm here for. That's what you do. My questions, 
there's a couple questions. I, first of all, what exactly does this look like? I mean, does he just fulfill the exact same role that Colin Hitchler did on an on-field standpoint? I mean, is it's much different. I mean, he's been a defensive coordinator at a very high level, so how actively involved will he be in shaping the defense? I'm sure there's obviously going to be ongoing communication with Mike Tressel, so there's that aspect. There's the recruiting side. Where exactly does he go for recruiting, um, and how much success can he have? And since Colin Hitchler's out the door, it's worth mentioning one more time, like six of the 22 guys who ended up signing in this 2024 class, he was the primary recruiter on. Um, And was the primary recruiter on safety, Kamir Prescott, who committed, but ended up Wisconsin parted ways with him. And so he just did so many good things, Hitchler did, in terms of opening up some of those doors. The third question that I have about Grinch, though, and maybe this isn't fair because you could say it about every assistant, but you mentioned before, none of these guys have ties here. And so there's really nothing that's binding them to Madison. And I just wonder, like, what do you want? out of your career are you looking to be a decent happens next year are you gone yes um, I mean, kind of like the Ju- Justin Wilcox thing right like yeah again that that's hey if I had that opportunity <laughs> I would do it too and so right. I'm not knocking it but in terms of questions if you are a fan of a program you'd like to have your assistant coaches stay at least maybe more than a year or two to build some continuity and so that's just something and, and he has every right to explore that if that comes up but it's one of those questions that I have about what what does a long term future look like. Well, it's also like where would he go? You know what I mean? Like there have uh, you're in the Big Ten now. You're I should I mean, I guess you were in the Big Ten anyways. If you had stayed, if it's still been with USC, <laughs> but like you're you're in the Big Ten. The SEC obviously is expanding to to 16 teams. There's 18 teams here. Are there going to be a lot of other D.C. jobs that you're going to want to leave Wisconsin for? Are there going to be money-wise? And there probably is in the ACC and in the Big 12. But I, I kind of think like his it's going to be tough for him to just jump back into it next year. I don't think it's going to be a situation like, oh, God, we got to get Alex Grinch back, back as a D.C. His performances the last couple of years, three years, not overly impressive. I think it's going to take more than one year to get him somewhere else. Now, could a bigger school come along and do the exact same thing they did with Colin Hitchler? Probably. But there's not too many bigger schools, money-wise, at this point, outside of, like, Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State, Michigan. Like, there's there's some of those, and I don't know that he's going to be uh, a candidate for that. So I, that that would be the one I'm not worried about. But the, the Luke Fickle thing, going all the way back to when he was in Milwaukee last year and he was asked, he had an opening, and I'm going to continue to bring it up because he he's going to continue not to – He's going to continue to not hire anybody that has any Wisconsin ties. And again, stop screaming at your podcast. Stop screaming at your phone. I understand that Casey Robach is on the staff and how important he is. Um, I get that. And I'm not saying they need to have a Wisconsin guy on it. Luke Fickle said that he wished he would have. And he's had how many now opportunities to do that, and he hasn't done it. And I'm not saying there was anybody worthwhile to, to be the safeties coach. You know? Jim Leonard ain't coming back to be the safety's no, coach. Definitely <laughs> you know what not. I mean? So I'm not saying there, there was anybody worthy of it, but of these three hires, had opportunity, if, if he thought somebody was worthwhile enough to do it. Um, again, as I said, I don't think it's necessary, but he's the one that did, so I'm going to continue to bring it up every time it happens. But the most questions, yeah, definitely is what role does he have? And also, do we, do we think the safeties played well this past year? Would we say the safeties played well? 
I mean, obviously they have the, the leader individualized, in right? Right. Like I don't think Kamoi Latu had a particularly nope. good season. I think the second half of the season, well, it was a little bit better. The, yeah, the first half of the season was just it was not good. He just missed yeah. so many tackles. They literally had to remove him from the game. So Austin Brown could play. I think Austin Brown shows some really good things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Trayvon Tra- Tra- Blaylock didn't end up having a role at so, all. And Preston Zachman, I think, did some good things too. So sure. on the whole, uh, I think they had a, a pretty solid year, and they're all back yeah, other than that, Blaylock. That's the thing. Um, yeah, other than Blaylock, they're getting they're getting Kamoi Latu back. He's taking advantage of his sixth year. That hasn't been confirmed by UW, but uh, hey, we saw pa- those weight room videos. The, the videos, the, the videos tell the story, and so yeah, he's taking advantage of his sixth year. It's a good safety room to, to walk into if you're um, Alex Grinch, for sure, right? <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. Hunter Wohler is one of the top players in the conference at his position, and then you have some up-and-coming guys. It, Latu played better towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. thought he had a, a solid bowl game. It's a safety room that has a lot of experience, and so I think that'll help Grinch along. But it is it, uh, those three coaches are all – I think they all have some questions. I think they all have some upside. And I certainly think there's some confidence you could have with with with, uh, with each one of them in different ways. But we broke it down like that, and uh, we'll see how it plays out once spring ball starts, which is not. I was going to say not too far away. It actually is. It's still like <laughs> <laughs> it's still like uh, six, seven, eight weeks away um, from getting underway. So uh, coming back to the other side, going to play a little overreaction or no? Owen Streetig, Luke Fickle, and. AJ Blazek, we're at Catholic Memorial today. We'll talk about that coming up on the other side. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mux Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin basketball, just about an hour away from getting underway in Lincoln as Wisconsin tries to uh, be the first Big Ten team to win in Nebraska this season. They are 13-1 at home. Just crazy. And the, st- and the the splits are insane. The splits, and we'll talk again, we'll talk about the game in a little bit, but the splits from what they shoot at home compared to what they shoot on the road, especially from three, crazy, crazy. So, all right. Let's get back into this. We were talking a little recruiting. Overreaction or no? Overreaction or no? For this, Jesse, Wisconsin is losing Owen Strebing. Well, I guess we <laughs> I guess we should just get this out there, right? Uh, he's, he's making his decision, I think, on the 8th. The 8th. Uh, so a week from today. And the feeling is, based on what he has said, is Wisconsin was in his top five. Uh, they are not in his top two. It's... Notre Dame and Miami, and everyone believes and has believed for quite some time now that he's going to end up at Notre Dame, uh, where Joe, Joe Rudolph is at. He's had the best relationship with him because he's been around him for so long. But it's another top player in the state leaving Wisconsin. He's going to join uh, James Flanagan, the top two players in the state, uh, going to Notre Dame. And Wisconsin's lost some other kids to Notre Dame as well. In well, I should say one kid to Notre Dame in previous classes as well. So my overreaction to know is this. Wisconsin is lo- losing Owen Strebig. The Badgers will never have the wall up around the states again. So I'm going to say it's an overreaction because never is a whole heck God, of a long I hate time. I do that. I, I need to be better <laughs> with my questions because I need to be better. But I do think there's something to be said for what we've seen these last several years. 
Um, and this is going to sound like excuse making, but this is just my sense, especially for the top level guys who are four and five star guys. The door is open for everybody because they're being recruited and identified so early. So I kind of feel like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong or if you have a different opinion, obviously. Something has changed in the last, I don't know, five, ten years or something, maybe. Like, it just felt before that Wisconsin kids didn't necessarily get a ton of recognition on the national recruiting front, and everyone ended up coming to Wisconsin, obviously, once Barry Alvarez got here. And I remember not all that long ago, or I think Wisconsin got the top five or six guys in the class, like, three years running. or so something pretty close to that. Yeah. Um, so... I just that's my feeling with these four star five star kids that it's a lot harder. Now, one of the things that I remember Paul Chris talking about was the biggest advantage they had for the in-state kids was the number of times they could come and visit campus, uh, but it's not like they can't go to these other schools now either. So, I don't know. Right, but like it started when COVID happened. Yeah. And, and yes. like they thought that that was a huge thing that that really messed up their ability to go out and uh, and really bring these kids in early and mm-hmm. build relationships with them. And I, I, I guess I don't disagree, but I think it also opened it up for other schools to come in and really establish themselves. Yep. And, it, and it also helps that, you know, Joe Rudolph is Wisconsin, right? Like Even though he's at Notre Dame, a lot of people still think Wisconsin. And so he has that ability to come in the state and recruit like it's in-state. And it's also Catholic Memorial. And so uh, that helps, I think, for, for Owen Strebig as well. That said, the number of four-star guys that have left Wisconsin, I think in the last, including the 25 class, you go back to 2022, three, four, now the five class, mm-hmm. it feels like more often than not the four-star guys are leaving. I mean, you, you think about it, you got Joe Brunner, right, coming to Wisconsin, but the other four-star players in the 2022 class Billy Schroth goes to Notre Dame. Carson Hinsman goes to Ohio State. Jerry Cross goes to Penn State. Uh, we can talk about Isaac Ham, mm-hmm. but I don't think we need to do. I don't think we need to do that. Um, in the 2023 class, there was nobody worthwhile. In this, I shouldn't say that. That's mean. Uh, there, there, were no four, <laughs> well, they, there were no four-star recruits in the 2023 class. Uh, Nate White, the lone uh, guy that comes in. But you go back to the 2024 class, Nathan Roy, Minnesota. Garrett Sexton, Penn State. Two guys that they did not offer again, right? Corey Smith and Donovan Harbor are at Penn State. So you look at the last, how many four-star guys are leaving the state and how many of those guys are coming to Wisconsin. You have Brunner and who? Nobody. That That is, that's different. Yes. That is significantly different than what uh, it has been. Now, again, Wisconsin, especially in the 24 class, and we've had this conversation quite a bit, went out and got guys from out of state that kind of filled those voids, and it didn't really matter. So this is certainly the thing that uh, people are going to be talking about. Owen Stribbing going to Notre Dame. James Flanagan going to Notre Dame. Uh, and those are the two four-star kids in the in the 2025 class at this point in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, um it's tough to say, like, when are they next going to go five for five? But I, and I go back to the conversation I had with Luke in the summer. Like, it doesn't mean they're going to stop trying or, or go after the guys that they think are the best fits. Uh, but that's part of it, too. I mean, you have an entirely new coaching staff, and so these recruits are getting to know you for the first time now. So, I, I mean, that's worth considering here as well. And the Joe Rudolph point is, is where it comes into play. 
Joe knew Owen as a freshman. Right. And so Wisconsin didn't have that advantage, but... Again, that all sounds like excuse-making anyway, so let's see where they are in a couple of years when they are rolling through those high schools multiple times a year for three straight years, and those kids know who Luke is from when they're freshmen. I do think that does make a difference. So it's it's an overreaction, but... This trend is certainly something that you got to continue to monitor. Well, it's because Luke Fickle was not recruiting Wisconsin when he was at Cincinnati. No, you know he was I mean? recruiting the heck out of Ohio. Right, and think about some of the other guys that are on the staff. Were any of them recruiting Wisconsin? No. No. So that that certainly, I think, plays a, a role in it. But, yeah. that's, as you said, it's kind of excuse-making. Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is if you're Wisconsin, you got to get the top Wisconsin guys, and uh, that's kind of the end of the story there. It is. It is. Uh, overreaction or no? Wisconsin has a better chance of beating Purdue than winning at Nebraska on oh, Thursday night. Well, I'm going to date myself either way here because by the time most people listen to this, I'll either be right or wrong. I yeah. um, well, no, you could. I mean, well, I guess I could be right. If you said uh, <laughs> they're not going to win either one of them, yeah, or they're going to win both of them, I think they're going to win at Nebraska. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so Nebraska is favored in this game. Yeah, uh, despite being unranked, Wisconsin ranked sixth in the country. As I said, they are ridiculous at home. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, I think Sunday is going to be electric. Yes. I think they have that game scheduled. I think also, you know, Purdue probably has it scheduled or scheduled, circled on the schedule. Um, Purdue probably has it as well. They have the best resume of any team in the country at this point with some of the teams that they've beaten. Uh, Wisconsin's right up there in terms of the quad one wins that they have and some of the teams that they've beaten, but Purdue's is the top overall seed if the tournament was starting today. I think you would say that they are the t- they would be the number one seed or the top overall seed. That said, uh, we saw what happened last year at Nebraska. Wisconsin got up big, and then Nebraska started hitting shots, and it absolutely just went off the tracks the rest of the way. So I would I I don't think it's an overreaction to say beating Purdue um, more likely than winning at Nebraska tonight. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the final one here. Daniel Freetick, crazy, off the glass, passed to himself for a dunk, is the best dunk I've seen by a high schooler. Is that an overreaction or no? Uh, it's an overreaction, but I don't have my list of the greatest dunks, so I went to YouTube. I <laughs> yeah. ended up, you know, I ended up, asked me some of these questions, I go down the rabbit hole, and there was a YouTube clip of the 100 greatest <laughs> high school dunks. I don't know how you could even decide when you get between, you know, 47 and 100, but... Uh, the free tag one is ridiculous. I've only, from what I, I've only seen in the NBA. Yeah. Like you just don't see kids, with, see especially the at the game, right? yeah at the high school level, to have that foresight. Like oh, I picked up my dribble, I'm in the lane. Let me just throw it off the glass and go get it. Uh, but that's part of why free tag is such a special player and it's such a big win for Wisconsin in recruiting. For anybody listening that hasn't seen it, you can go to the Badgers YouTube, uh, not YouTube, but their uh, Twitter account, X account, and. Uh, they tweeted about it. it. It's impressive. He picked up his dribble. It's kind of it's kind of screwed, but threw it up off the glass. Went up and got it and dunked it. Uh, it was a hell of a play. Hell of a play. And I would. Lo- I'm very very interested to see how they're going to put him in this next year because yeah. as of right now, everyone's back next year. That doesn't mean it'll actually end up happening. We know what happens with the transfer portal and such, but. How, how do they get him into the offense and how it looks with him in it? I, that's exciting. That has to be exciting. Very much so. Um, I mean, right now, Tyler Wall is the only one that they're they're going to be losing I, in I the backcourt. Back yeah. I mean, 
it would be Chucky's show, and you get the minutes where you can for free tag and set them up for the future. Uh, wow. I don't want to get ahead of myself, though, because this year's team is just so much fun to watch. <laughs> it is so much fun. It is fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Do you trust them? Wisconsin? Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Do I trust them to make the second weekend in the NCAA tournament? Do I trust them to continue to win? Do you trust them to continue to play offense the way they have? Yeah, I think I do. Um, I mean, they're going to have to have the prolonged stretch where they're not scoring for me to think that's who they are. That's fine. They they had 12 straight games of 70-plus points, which they had not done in 50-plus years. Which ended at Minnesota last week. But they still won. They did. So there's that. I think I go back to the, I think we maybe talked about this on the swing last time we did an episode, was the 2014, the 2013-14 team, which is yeah. kind of one, is kind of the team that this kind of reminds me of, just the way that they're scoring and the way that sometimes maybe they don't play defense uh, at, a, at, a, at extremely, extremely high level. Um, but that team won when scoring 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 points. I think this team... Could kind of do the same thing. Maybe not. Maybe not in the 40s. But I think they could. I think I they have. Not. I don't want to have to watch that. No, that was the Virginia game that year. Very early <laughs> in the. I believe that was the ACC Big Ten Challenge that year. That team. That's the one I would maybe say. This one kind of reminds me of just uh, scoring wise. Maybe not gr- the great greatest defense. Now I think this team can be much better defensively than they have been. And but tonight is going to be such a huge chore for them. And. Greg Gard talked about it this week about how someone was he was asking about like three point percentages um, and Wisconsin's defense with the three point percentages and he said he doesn't look at it at all he doesn't really care about the three point percentages he cares about the three point attempts and because they want to run guys off the line and there's no team that you want to run off the line more than Nebraska at home and I think that is obviously going to be such a, a huge key you're you're a basketball guy and maybe this is a question for Greg um, he certainly will correct somebody if they're wrong um <laughs> what is outside of points per possession what's the most important defensive stat do you think defensive stat because uh, points per possession is one we all talk about well <laughs> first which thing is, that comes to mind is the defensive rebound because if you don't give that yeah. all you're doing are giving up second chance points and they're milking the clock so that maybe that's an obvious do you think it's an analytical thing do you think it's an analytical stat or do you think it's like a raw stat in my head, it's a raw stat, but I don't have the full list of what the advanced analytics are that would matter the most. Yeah, I'm just so, curious. I'm curious because all we hear about is points per possession, points per possession, points per possession. Think about Wisconsin offensively and why they've been so successful, and it's in part because their big guys have been able to get offensive rebounds at a rate that is really good. And much better than they've ever yes. been before. And, and I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. It's demoralizing for the defense. All of a sudden, you got to play an extra 20 seconds, and you presumably get a better shot attempt the second time around. And they are also shooting significantly better from two than they were last year. Yeah, right? that helps. I mean, and go on down the line of all the guys that are shooting better from two this year than they were last year. And obviously, it starts with Tyler Wall. But it, yeah, it's a... Uh, that's a, that's, a, that's a question I may ask Greg Garden next time. Uh, see if he can teach me some basketball, because I'm sure he would love to do that. All right, coming back on the other side, going to talk a little Connor Asijan. Going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, some decisions made by the Big Ten about the future conference schedule, as well as the conference tournaments. Coming back on the other side to talk about that. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network.
back into Temple and Heilprin. We're at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie, getting ready for Wisconsin and Nebraska coming up here in about 45 minutes. Wisconsin trying to get to 9-1 in Big Ten play. Produce it at 9-2 right now. So if Wisconsin were to lose tonight, they would fall out of first place, but they would obviously have a chance to move back into first place on Sunday as the Boilermakers come to the Kohl Center for, I believe that's a CBS game. I believe, I believe, a CBS game at noon should be uh, should be a heck of an environment. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see uh, exactly what that looks like because if they don't win this one on Sunday, having to go to Purdue on the final day of the regular season, tough. it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, all right. Talk a little bit more basketball here. Uh, what to make of what appears to be a little bit of a resurgence here for Connor Siegen from the three-point line since uh, the start of January. He didn't play against Iowa, but since uh, the Nebraska, the first Nebraska game, he's 8 of 18 from three. How are you feeling about do you think Do you think this is him turning around and, and turning, I guess, the leaf the other way? Yes, question mark. <laughs> the, t- the tough thing here is it's not like he's suddenly playing 20 minutes a no. game. You look at the minutes, and, and the Nebraska game is the only one since uh, the start of the new year where he played more than eight minutes. And so, obviously, it's great if he can get you a couple of threes. He did it against Michigan State. He came in, bang, buried two threes. And that gives the crowd a lift when it's at home, obviously gives Connor and the team a lift because they know what he's capable of. But he's played six minutes a game the last three games. And so, it's I just... It's tough to get into a rhythm when you only play six minutes, and I don't know how many threes you can expect him to make, but anything he's giving you is obviously a big lift. I just don't know. Uh, I shouldn't say this. I think Greg Gard is telling the truth when he's saying we're going to need him at some point. Mm-hmm. When, he, when He said that this, this week. He was asked uh, a, number, a couple of questions about Connor and like how he didn't put his head down and he just kept on fighting and you know the expected comments because there were a lot of people that looked at us and or told us and said to us he's getting the transfer portal like this there's there's no question like he's he went from playing how many minutes last year to playing these minutes this year and and that has not happened for him he's he has not become uh, a problem child which i think some guys may have been if they were in his same position and he's not and i i don't disagree with Greg Gard. i think they could use his scoring at some point this year i don't think don't think it's gonna be tonight because I think the way that Nebraska runs guys off of screens um, on the other end of the court might be a little bit much, but do you think they're going to need him at some point this year? Absolutely. He's too good of a shooter when he's on to not <laughs> have him contribute at some point. And also, you just I know that, and this question keeps coming up about people wanting him to play more. Well, who are you going to take minutes away from? And obviously, there's A.J. Storm, Max Klesman, and John Blackwell, but Anything can happen. Foul trouble can happen. We saw yeah. Max get 15 minutes because he was in foul trouble a couple weeks ago. So that could lead to more minutes. And and if Connor's coming in and he's going to just bury threes and shoot 75% or something like that, you might want to keep him on the floor for that too. Yeah, so it's, we'll see. It's, it's much different if he's shooting 18% or 20%, which yeah. is what he was doing at, at exactly. for, a, for a significant stretch of time. But he was able to come off the bench and actually hit those shots. Yes. Yes. It's a lot easier to play him. And I, I have to give him a ton of credit for the way he's handled this. Um, because you're right, Zach, it's not easy. I'm just going to keep it real. I, I was the problem child <laughs> when I was in college. I'm I went sh- At a certain point, that's, that's shocking. I think, I, <laughs> I think there was a stretch where I went five straight games without getting in the game after like playing regular minutes. 
I was the problem child in practice. I think they tried to kick me out. They might have kicked me out one practice. Were you just like, what were you doing? In practice? Yeah. Not caring, not trying. And oh. if I was on the scout team jacking up threes from there 24 feet, now they would go in. But that wasn't the point. They, they would go in. Of course. And you still couldn't get on the floor. Uh, I mean, it's not like I was pulling every time down the floor. Okay. I'm just, All right. I'm just saying when I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wisconsin and the rest of the Big Ten going to be bringing in uh, four new teams next year. And it obviously was a huge deal for football scheduling, but it's also a big deal for basketball scheduling. And what they're going to do with basketball is they're going to keep it at 20 games. So you're going to have 18 teams in the league. And you're only, you're still only going to play twenty teams, or excuse me, uh, twenty games. So you're going to play, I assume, one team or two teams twice, and then everybody else once. Um, that is going to be interesting. <laughs> or is it three? Would it be three teams once, uh, twice? No, maybe two teams. Three, two. Let's, we weren't we, math majors. We did, we did not go. To, I was told. <laughs> I was told there'd be no math yes. if, I, if I got my degree in, in journalism. I think um, it's two. Yeah, so irrelevant, irrelevant. <laughs> let's 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 move on. Um, twenty games, staying yeah. at twenty games of conference play. Greg Gard said he was a fan of that. Are you a fan of that? I am a fan of it. Um, there's no magic number here that's going to make you feel that that it makes sense. If you all of a sudden decide to play twenty four conference games, so and I'm not going to pretend that I know math, but let's say it was six teams you'd play twice. You're still not playing 15, thirteen right. teams or whatever twice. Yeah. So I. I you know, one thing I like about, I mean, college sports in general, but non-conference season, and it's different in basketball than it is in, in football, but, like, those marquee matchups are fun, and building toward what the conference season is going to be is a big part of that season. So I don't want them to take that away. And and uh, now I guess you could argue, well, if it's going to be against Arkansas State or Arkansas Pine Bluff, or not to hate on Arkansas. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like, but you did. I, I, I did. I went there. Um so I'm fine with that part, the, the 20 games. As, as long as they're playing every team once, yeah. you can remember that all those teams are still a part of the conference. It is three teams. Is plus. it? Yeah. Because you play, you play 17, all 17 other teams. You're right. right. And you have three games I left was over thinking, that. I was counting Wisconsin as yeah. a team that they would play, and that is not how it works. Would they win that one? It'd be a tie. It'd be a win and a loss. Yeah. Um, but the other aspect of this is the Big Ten Tournament which is right now obviously at 14 teams, it's not going to be at 18. They are going to limit it to 15. And the reason for that is twofold. One, you'd have to start a whole extra day earlier, which is part of that. And also, they did not want to um, cannibalize the teams at the top and potentially ruin their their chances at seeding, or or ruin their seeding chances, ruin their NCAA seeding if they were to lose early in the tournament. So can I ask you a question that is probably dumb and obvious, but I honestly just haven't read about this. Why isn't it 16 teams? I don't know. That makes so much sense. Is it because they wanted the t- uh, top teams to have a bye in I, a way that you can't when it's 16? Because I, I assume so. I, don't, right. I haven't looked into it. Uh, I'm absolutely in favor of not having all the teams in the Big Ten tournament. I hate it. It's... Uh, what are we doing here? Why Nobody wants to watch what, what's going to happen on Wednesday in Minneapolis, by the uh, way. Yes, the, those have been some good games. There have sure, been some, fine. Some good games in there. And every once it's in a while, you win five games, five days, make a run. Yeah. Happened in the Big East tournament. UConn I won a national championship yes. that year. Um, but, come on. You, you don't you, think the 18th seed can, is, is going to make a run to the final? Uh, I, I, look, anything is possible, but all I'm saying is I feel like in a conference tournament, you should at least have to earn the right to be in it if you're going to be in a super conference with that many teams. 
Okay. I, it just, I, I feel bad for... Do you? No, I don't. The, the, the next time I feel bad for anybody in college sports, it's going to be a while. <laughs> it's be a while. It is going to be a while. I, pr- I promise you that. But, no, I, uh, I, if, if, it was the, if everything's right in the world, they would play a 32, uh, excuse me, a 34-game uh, uh, 30, conference schedule, so you'd play everybody twice. <laughs> and then, you and would, there'd that, be zero non-conference, zero non-conference games. games. And then all 18 teams would be in the Big Ten tournament. Uh-huh. And you'd play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the final would be Sunday. I'm kidding, of course. But they, they want I, – I I'm completely fine with the 20 games. Yeah, the 15, like, why is it arbitrary? What's it's kind yeah. of an arbitrary number? Um, I'm sure that there's facts and important things behind it. I'm sure Greg Gard probably spoke about it at some point. I didn't hear him say it when I when I was listening to his audio, but I don't know. It is uh, it is what it is. We'll see. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's going to be one of those teams that's missing the, the Big Ten tournament too often, you wouldn't think. But All right, coming back on the other side, going to talk a little bit about Chris Collins losing his absolute sh- uh, last night at Purdue, and some sitting head coaches leaving power, a Power 5 job to be an assistant coach in the NFL. Is that something that we could see moving forward? We can talk about that coming on the other side as well. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mucks Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Back at Monks in Sun Prairie for uh, the final few minutes here of the show. Temple and High Alperin getting ready for Wisconsin and Nebraska coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, there was a game last night at Purdue, Northwestern, and Purdue played a heck of a game. Northwestern's a very good team. Yes. Uh, Wisconsin, very lucky that they are not going, I shouldn't say lucky, they it's, it's beneficial to them that they are not going to Northwestern this year and also not going to Illinois this year. But they, uh, Purdue held on, beat them 105-96 in overtime. But at the end of overtime, Chris Collins lost his absolute mind, uh, largely because of a huge, huge, huge free-throw dispar- uh, disparity between the two teams. 38 more free-throws for Purdue. And he went off. He got kicked out of the game. Still managed to dap up Zach Eady on his way out. Played up to the crowd. But it was that was just insane. And I, I kind of get where he's coming from. Kind of get where he's coming from, don't you? I cannot recall a game where the discrepancy was 46 free throws for one team and eight for the other. On the other hand, one team has Zach Eady, who's seven four and is basically unguardable. Other than apparently, if you put him at the free throw line, but he did take seventeen free throws, only made eight, so he took twice as many free throws as Northwestern did. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I said this to you. My first thought was, well, let me go to the box score and see how many three pointers each team attempted. And if Northwestern was taking thirty five threes and Purdue was just driving to the rack, then it makes sense why you get fouled that much. But hey, you got to fight for your team, and at that point. The outcome was decided, so it didn't really matter if he got kicked out. Yeah, he, he went off and went off at the official while the play was still going on, like came on the floor and was yelling at him. Now, he spends a lot of time on the floor anyways. He's one of those guys that does, but I, I don't recall. I can't remember. Like, that game was much closer than the final score. <laughs> um, and uh, he made it so it was not. But, yeah, I'm sure he's going to be getting a call or a, <laughs> a, an envelope saying, you owe us some money uh, for the Big Ten. 
I don't like. I was asked, "Do you think he's going to get suspended?" Come on, no. Because like that was a very Frantrum style move from him. <laughs> now he does not have the history. The gold standard, he of course. He does not have the history of the Frantrum from 2014 at, at the Cole Center to you know lead to him getting suspended like Fran did that year. But I, I, maybe it's a possibility. Um, the other story that's kind of going right now here in Wisconsin, at least, Jeff Halfley leaving Boston College. As their head coach, been their head coach for the last four years. He's taking over uh, as the Packers' defensive coordinator. He's leaving a sitting head coaching job in. I know it's not a Power Five school, but he's the uh, at least the third head coach in college football to leave that spot and go into an assistant job. The other two were group of five coaches and ended up at Alabama. I know there were some people talking about whether he was going to have a job after next year, which probably plays a little bit of a factor in it. But do you think this is something that is a sign of things to come? With the way NIL and everything else is, is messing with stuff? Well, I think it depends on the circumstance, but I also think there's something to be said for where those coaches are at in their career at that time. Sure. Um, like, for example, Maurice Lindquist, right? The coach at Buffalo is coming off a year where Buffalo went 3-9. and nine. Yeah. Um, Look, if you're on the rise and you're at a, a Mac-type school, you're a hot commodity, and you could potentially jump into the Power Five. But if you miss that window of opportunity, it might be a little while. And so for that reason, I can understand why you would leap to be an assistant. And let's face it, you're going to get paid more money being a, an assistant at a place oh, yeah. like Alabama than you are being a head coach. So you can still use that as a springboard opportunity for a head coach job down the line. It's great for your resume, and it's a great opportunity for you as a coach. Do you think any like major college coaches are going to do the same thing? No. Um like in terms of what NFL opportunities? Yeah. Well, no. Like, like, le- like leaving be- as a head coach job and like going being like a defense coordinator, or offensive coordinator, or something like that in the NFL. Well, I don't want to say definitively no. Um, that is at least a little bit different, but I do think there's something to be said for like if you are a head coach, it's a certain mindset, it's a certain approach, and I think it's hard to step off the gas and and relinquish that a bit unless, like I said, you're in one of those situations where you're at a mid-major type of program that's maybe on the downward swing. Yeah, should be interesting to see how it plays out. We'll be back next week. We'll talk, obviously, some more basketball. Maybe we'll have something football-wise to talk about. I know you got a big story coming next week. I'm not going to let you tease it, though. Thank you. We'll, I wasn't we'll, going to we'll, tease we'll, it. We'll tease it next week. You've been listening to Temple and Heilprin.